1: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable.
0: Ah. On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein. But sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better-for-you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les, I'm your host, and this week we are wrapping up our series on intimacy. All month long, we've talked about the importance of connection, we've covered platonic intimacy, the intersection of sensuality and spirituality, and today we're talking about how to remain connected with ourselves and finding a sense of intimacy within. Really, the theme of this month has been talking about the skills that we need to feel more connected and to feel more fulfilled in our connections. And today's episode just has so much great tactical advice to really help you build your connection skill set. And we really emphasize why the ability to connect with others really starts within yourself. My guest today is Camille Lewis, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, COO of therapy practice, the expansive group and co-host of the podcast safe word Camille's work focuses on sex therapy and examines intersectionality identity specifically with race, sexuality, and gender. In this episode, Camille and I get into so many important topics, including why intimacy is so much more than sex and is so important to cultivate with ourselves. We talk about the importance of finding pleasure in what we do and why we deserve pleasure. We talk about building intimacy practices with yourself ways to talk about and embrace pleasure without shame, and how to talk to kids about their bodies and pleasure in a way that is age appropriate and doesn't induce shame. It is a juicy one. It is packed with so much helpful, straightforward information and is the perfect finale to our month of intimate conversations.
1: Camille, welcome to Balanced Flat Girl. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that we were able to work this out and finally get to hang out, have a conversation, and connect.
0: Yes, absolutely. So for our lovely listeners, Camille and I actually met last year. We met at a Spotify event. Spotify had Mm -hmm. like a dinner for some wellness podcasters in LA and that was when we connected. And as I was working on the intimacy series, I was like, okay, I got to have Camille as a guest for this series because the work you do and the expertise you have is just perfect for the conversations that Mm -hmm. we're having this
1: month. So thank you for joining me. So excited. I'm ready to get into it. (laughs) Amazing.
0: So before we dive into this week's installment of our intimacy chats that we're having on the podcast, I would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. First, talking about why you decided to become a therapist, what brought you to the mental health space. And two, there are so many different areas within the mental health space to explore um, why you have chosen to kind of specialize in and focus on sex connection intimacy.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, what brought me to mental health? I'm, I'm so used to answering this question, but every time I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Um, <laughs> you know, I this is my second career, so it's a career shift for me. I originally started in the legal field, and I thought I wanted to be an attorney for a long time. And then it really kind of like settled within me that it was really important for me to be working consistently with community, connection, growth, and ways to like support other people. It just feels home to me. And I was just like, how can I make talking to people part of my lived experience? And even more so, I really wanted to be able to be a resource for Black women and Black femmes and people um, with similar identities as myself. And I was like, okay, If I go into this field, like where can I specialize in identity? And when I thought about those components, I also thought about like sex and relationships and intimacy and how integral they are to how we see ourselves, how we see other people how we heal, and how we grow. And I also was like, what would be something that I'd be excited to talk about every day and not get bored of? And it's like sex. Like, I love talking about it. And it feels really important to me. And understanding yourself and the nuances of sex and sexuality felt really important. And it's the best, you know, best career decision and life decision I've ever made. Very happy to be here doing this work. I love that. I mean, that's that's exactly... The
0: goal—that's how we we want to feel—is excited about the work that we do, and the fact that it also just gets to help people is just the best bonus.
1: Yeah, it's really great. Highly recommend. Definitely, <laughs> definitely.
0: Well, I would love to get into some of those intersections a little bit. You know, you talked about yeah. wanting to specifically—I mean, I, I know that you help people of all backgrounds, but specifically Black women, Black femmes. I would love to talk a little bit more about maybe some of the things that you see when it comes to our experiences with intimacy that are more common in our community.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that what really stands out when you ask that question is our relationship to pleasure. And I think as Black women and Black femmes, we've kind of been socially conditioned not to integrate pleasure into our day, our week, our month, like we're really kind of taught to prioritize the needs of other people. How can we show up for other people? How can we be softer or quieter or less intimidating or all of those things? So I think that what really gets left out of the conversation is pleasure. And so I think that a lot of women struggle to integrate prioritizing themselves in relationships, Mm -hmm. um, especially. And so not necessarily having a really... I guess, grounded understanding of like what makes us feel good. Because there's also so much shame, right? Mm -hmm. There's shame around food and eating. There's shame around sex and sexuality. There's shame around how we look and how we do our hair and what we wear and how we talk. And so I think with all of these things being policed, we forget to be like, I can experience joy and euphoria in little moments and in big moments in my day and in my life. So I think that that's like the biggest thing is... It's pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. And that pleasure
0: can be a good thing. I mean, I I think for a lot of us, and I know I've had this experience, sometimes it feels like we're almost conditioned to feel bad about things that feel good or
1: my gosh. To expect
0: the other shoe to drop if things feel too good. Or, you know, there's so much identity and almost connection with suffering that it can feel hard to connect with things that feel good. And so, yeah, I love that emphasis on pleasure, whether that be any way from food, things you enjoy, intimacy, what feels good, what
1: smells good, like whatever. Exactly. I couldn't have said that better myself. I really think that there is that shame of like, oh my gosh, I didn't work hard enough. I didn't do this enough. You know, ate this and then I didn't punish myself for mm-hmm. it. Or this just felt good. So I took a nap or it felt good. So I slept in or felt good. So I spent more time with my friends or it's like the conditioning to be constantly performing and hyper performing to prove ourselves to ourselves, to family and community, to other folks, to, to you know, to white folks in the business world, perhaps. Mm-hmm. perhaps. So I think that that was Yeah, I just agree. Very well said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You know, also as you were describing that, something else that I was thinking about is this idea of selfishness. I actually remember I was at a retreat years ago and a a woman at the retreat – said something along the lines of like being considered selfish was the worst insult. She felt like it was the worst thing that someone could say to her. She said she would rather be called a bitch than be called selfish. And I was like, wait a minute, mm. for why? Mm. I was like, why? One, what do you mean by selfish? What is, what is the definition of selfish? Selfish. Mm-hmm. Two, when I thought about my own experiences being called selfish, I've only ever been called selfish when someone was like trying to get over on me or manipulate me mm-hmm. and I wasn't going for it. That was immediately mm-hmm. the first word that they threw out.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But I do think that there are a lot of us who have this feeling of focusing on ourselves as bad or if yeah. we want to connect with other people, sometimes it has to be at the expense of ourselves. How do we mm-hmm. work through that?
1: Mm, That's so interesting. Yeah. I would, I think it's interesting because selfish has this like historically bad connotation of mm-hmm. this is a bad thing. Yeah. And for me, when I hear like you share the story of that woman, I would like, I would love for someone to call me a selfish bitch. I want to be both. <laughs> I want to be both of those things. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I think that, but it is, it's like we are conditioned to really feel like anytime we take care of ourselves, that that is at that means that we aren't doing something enough for somebody else. And, you know, I think it's like the old phrase of like, you can't pour from an empty cup. And we really do need to resource ourselves and pour into ourselves, period. Hard stop yeah. at the end of that. We do need to do that. And we also need to do that if we are to give to other people experiences and connections. So I think working through it is having like small practices that you integrate into your life that feel like you can just. I I really – I take a lot of stock in like verbalizing things to myself Mm -hmm. um, and acknowledging them. So I think if you're working through like feeling selfish or taking time for yourself of actually being like, oh, Mm -hmm. that nap felt so good. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I just did that. It might be silly. You might feel silly at first. But I think it's also looking at reaching for those small things. Like Mm -hmm. if you typically – never take a nap and then you're like i'm going to nap every single day that's a really <laughs> big jump mm-hmm. so maybe you just sleep in 15 or 20 minutes longer for example and then yeah. you say wow you know no consequences happened as a result of me doing this i feel so much more rested i was able to ease into my day more i really appreciate that i did that just now and yeah. be like nobody died everything's fine mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I think that that's a
0: really beautiful take on affirmations. I know sometimes affirmations Mm -hmm. can feel a little bit cheesy with people where it's like, I am worthy. I am beautiful. But it's like, I am rested because I did this good thing for myself and it's okay. Mm. The world is still spinning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that helps with healing that aversion to selfishness Mm -hmm. of like, I did this and wow, I just had a wonderful day. Like, you know, this weekend I was in Santa Barbara with my mom because she flew in and had to speak at a conference. And I set up one of my work days to have like pretty extended breaks. And I went on a bike ride and I like went in the hot tub and then I did all of these things. And I was just like, wow, that day felt so good. And I was just like, good for me, like work, because I usually don't do that. And so it's you know, I think it's a constant learning experience to integrate into your, into your life and your practices. Definitely.
0: Definitely. And even, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. It also Mm -hmm. makes me think like, what if that was normal? Like what if it was the rule, not the exception to have this spaciousness and, and time Mm. that just feels good?
1: I love that word, like spaciousness. That's Mm -hmm. how it felt. Like Mm -hmm. I felt, I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel like, oh my gosh, I have 10 minutes between meetings. I need to just, like, figure out something to eat and how – like, use yeah. the bathroom real quick. Like, I really was just like, ah, I'm waking up at a leisurely pace. Like, I could go for a walk. I could go for a ride. I could take another nap. I could mm-hmm. go sit outside and eat something. Like, it really felt so pleasurable, mm-hmm. honestly. Ugh. That's beautiful. So yeah, beautiful. And then the next day I had, like, 8 million back-to-back meetings, so <laughs> – so the spaciousness being the yeah. rule, I like. I wish yeah. that that was more of my day. I'm working toward know, it for sure. Exactly. It's like that's what we're
0: shooting towards, and we'll absolutely we'll get there eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear from your perspective. We we've, we've been talking about intimacy on the podcast all month. We're kind of wrapping yeah. up our our series on on intimacy with today's conversation. I would love to hear how you define intimacy. And why intimacy Mm. is such an important part of building and maintaining connection.
1: Okay. Let's think about this. How do I define intimacy? I think I define intimacy as an intentional relationship experience or process where you get to connect with yourself or others. Mm -hmm. And So to me, I think that a lot of people, because I work as a sex therapist with a lot of couples and relationships, a lot of individuals. And I think that often like intimacy gets conflated with sexual intimacy or physical intimacy. And I think that if I kind of like widen that definition, then the day that I just described having earlier this week was really intimate. And, you know, couples who are trying to improve intimacy are like, how can we have more sex? Which is like that could be a goal, but like also where are the other gaps in intimacy that you're missing? Like when do you read together? When do you play games together or laugh together or cook together? Like all of the ways that you can create intimacy. So I think that that's how I would describe it. Something intentional, something pleasurable, something that you get to experience and prioritize that isn't um, necessarily followed by shame or Mm -hmm. kind of clouded by shame.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a really beautiful definition. And I love how you emphasize that it can be with self and
1: with mm-hmm. others,
0: that it's not totally. necessarily one or the other. Cause I do think when a lot of us think of intimacy, first, first thing we may think of is, is sex or being sexual and with other mm-hmm. people is probably mm-hmm. what, you know, a lot of us think of, but really broadening that definition and, and making sure we're including the self is mm-hmm. great.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think you asked another question and I think I forgot the second part. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just, <laughs> just why it's important. Like why is mm. intimacy something that we should be prioritizing?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that we spend a lot of time because of, I think, historical and current trauma. Uh, we spend a lot of time like away from ourselves, so to speak. Like we feel we spend a lot of time away from our bodies, away from our own consciousness. You know, it's like, I have this meeting. I have this date. I have, you know, I have to go kick it with my girls. I have to help my family through this crisis, whatever it is. And we spend a lot of time away from ourselves. And I will sometimes go through hours of my day, and then I'll like take a big deep breath and be like, oh, "Have I ta- have I breathed today?" And it's like right. obviously because I'm alive, but like <laughs> I haven't necessarily spent that time yeah. with myself, acknowledging myself as like important being in my own life. And so mm-hmm. I think the intimacy is important because it reminds us that we are here, reminds us that we're grounded, reminds us of where we are, and it makes us kind of have to confront our our selfness, our like oneness with ourselves and be like what do I need? It's really yeah. hard to like have needs fulfilled if you can't identify them. And mm-hmm. if you have kind of an intimacy practice, that really helps because you'll be like, oh my God, my back hurts. Oh yeah. I haven't gotten up and moved my body in six hours. So I am going on a five minute walk. I am going to stretch for a second. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do a handstand, like getting creative. The more that you have this, this intimacy with yourself, the more you can identify, oh, something's missing. Mm -hmm. And even just that recognition, even if you don't yet have, and this is how I fix what's missing or fill what's missing, being able to identify it is a really good step because it communicates to your body and your nervous system that you're being heard, that like the quiet parts of you make sense and they need to have space to breathe. Yeah.
0: That's so good. It it sounds like being able to establish that sense of communication with ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: absolutely. Really where that starts. I mean, in a lot of relationships. Oftentimes, communication is the root of a lot of issues, at least in my experience. <laughs> but You and me both, it, girl.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but probably like everybody. But being able to understand what your own needs are, even if you can't meet them all yourself, just seems like such a good yeah. way to start moving towards having better communication.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Being in conversation with yourself is like – it's so key and it's mm-hmm. so – challenging to have access to because we really are not taught to do so. It yeah. feels much like the older that you get and the more involved you get in other practices of like of work and success and achievement. And these things aren't inherently bad, but also we're get we get further and further away from ourselves and then we have no idea what we need. And then right. our body then is gonna tell us in some way. So
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: that is so true. Mm-hmm. One of the things that
0: you mentioned, you kind of gave that example of ways that we can use the information that our bodies kind of give us and uh, Mm -hmm. start like establishing practices. I would love to talk about practices that you recommend for those Mm -hmm. of us who want to increase our sense of intimacy with ourselves, whether that be, you know, physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. mentally. Are there some good practices we can try?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think having a morning and evening routine are really great places to start with your own intimacy routine, because I think that they it both like prepares us for what we're about to do, either wake up or go to sleep and get rest. And it also kind of like signals to our body. So our body starts to prepare. Like when we Mm -hmm. think about how things change for us seasonally, like they still also change for us in the day and in the week. And I think especially for like for women and other folks of our like literal menstrual cycle is we are in different phases throughout a month. And so we start to be able to be like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this craving for this. I'm feeling extra tired because of that. I'm feeling really energized because of this. You start to be able to notice these things if you have kind of this morning and evening routine and be like, oh, I'm easily able to reach for something. And I always tell people that your routines don't have to be 20 steps long. Yeah. Like my, one of my parts of my evening routine is literally just having tea. Another part is like putting my weighted blanket on my bed and just yes. being like, like, it's like little simple things mm-hmm. or that will let my body know, all right, time to start shutting shit down, you know? And so I think that that helps feel grounded. It also helps feel intentional. And it helps you just be like, even if I have five minutes like I get to give those to myself in ways that feel creative and fun. So not putting a whole lot of pressure on yourself to have it be like Instagramable or make it look right. really cute. Like, yep. you know, your nighttime routine could be like, I watch TikTok for 30 minutes or an hour. <laughs> and then I know that like work is done. This is like my reprieve from work. And then after my TikTok time, then I. Go to bed. That yeah. could be fine. I think that, you know, that's part of our world too. Or maybe I like, I water my plants or I eat a pineapple. Literally, I have no idea. Making <laughs> it up so that you, it feels like something that you look forward to and giving yourself permission for it to shift and change. So I think morning and evening routines are great places to start. I mean, I'm really big into self pleasure in terms of like a literal sense of masturbation and things like that. I think that that can be really helpful and also taking showers with like eucalyptus and stuff Mm -hmm. like that are Mm -hmm. great too. It's really kind of deciding which parts of you don't maybe get fed throughout the day as much that you would like to – that you would like to feed and being like, I get to do that rather than like, I have to do that, like I get to do that and I'm Mm -hmm. worthy of doing that. Yes.
0: Uh, Heavy on that last sentence for sure. Mm. There Mm. were a few things that you mentioned that I – want to just come back to and and emphasize and dig into a bit. One, when you said allowing room for those routines to change, because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that can be really hard for people. When we hear the word routine, we think rigid. I have to do it every day. I have to do every step. If I don't, then I mess up and it's no use. When really it's like, if it's not working, maybe that routine isn't serving you anymore. And maybe it's time to modify it or make it a little bit easier or make Mm -hmm. it a little bit different so that it can meet you where you are. Because I think sometimes we can almost be like a prisoner to these routines that we create and the routines should be serving us, not the other Mm -hmm. way around.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the rigidity, it's sometimes it's like it is like a mask for Mm -hmm. like dependability and reliability and predictability. And it's like, okay, but if I, if I'm not flexible with myself and patient with myself and curious with myself, then that kind of like can be at opposition with the, the hope of creating intimacy. Because I feel like intimacy is all of those things. It's fluid, mm-hmm. it's creative, it's changeable. You know, it responds to the demands of like the self and the body and the mind, depending on the moment. And so, and maybe this is where you have a list of things that can be in your routine. Mm-hmm. And you might be exhausted one day and you don't do any of those steps. And the goal is not to wake up the next morning punishing yourself and being yeah. mad at yourself. Exactly. It's to be like, the routine that I needed got disrupted because my exhaustion eclipsed all of that. So I took care of myself and I went to bed. It's okay that I didn't wash my makeup off. It's okay that I didn't put my bonnet on. Like these things happen. And I think it also changes with like travel. Like even though I like to have like my sleepy time vanilla tea, like I don't have that everywhere (laughs) I go. And I could bring it and I could prepare it, but I think it's also just being like, all right, well, it'll be there when I'm back, but now I get to do something different. I get to like fill a need that I haven't like filled in a while. I get to be creative and flexible. So yeah, it's not, they're not intended to like hold you hostage. Totally. That's
0: such a good point. That really resonates with me a lot because I'm a big routine person. Probably anybody who's seen my social media can see that or probably thinks that I have these like crazy routines all the time, which is not true. But something that I have been doing lately is I'm really prioritizing relationships more. I'm really Mm. prioritizing intentional time with friends, even on a weeknight, even if it seems spicy, like intentional time to leave the house. And sometimes that means if I leave the house, then the morning routine the next day, it's not going to look the same. And yeah. That's okay because if my priority is connecting with the people in my life, then that's more important than waking up at 5 a.m. and running through this yeah. list of things. And yeah. that's not often shared on social media, but it's okay if we need to move things around for things that may be a little bit more nourishing and important to
1: us. Mm-hmm. And that's like a beautiful example of you. That like sounds like also you were able to have that conversation with yourself and just kind of be mm-hmm. like, oh this kind of, I'm noticing a little bit of a gap here. So I do want to prioritize these things and maybe it will disrupt like, yeah, my 5am wake up and all of these things, but it will feel so good to have these connection points with people that it doesn't matter. And that feels even better. And you know, I think that that was kind of my kind of where I was getting at earlier. Like sometimes it doesn't look pretty and sometimes it doesn't look like perfectly packaged. And Sometimes we need that permission to be like, I got to hang out with my friends and I had, like I turned up more than I would have or I was like, yeah, let's go to that next spot or yeah. let's stay up and watch an extra episode, whatever it is. And just being like, mm-hmm. it felt so good to just be in community with other people that I might sleep through all of my alarms tomorrow and <laughs> I'm going to feel good about it.
0: Yes it's okay.
1: It 5 a.m. will be okay. there the next
0: day. Like, it will literally right. be there.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: For sure. It's really important to me to, to also call those things out because I do know being in this space, I don't ever want people to forego connection for the sake of something like waking up at a certain time or these things that we see on social media that I know I probably also perpetuate because I do share imagery of myself mm. doing those things. And so I also mm-hmm. – it's important to me to also call out that it's okay if we don't all the time and that even I don't all the time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love that you said that because it's so, so true of connection is the thing that makes us human, like interconnectedness, relationships, relationships. Knowing each other, knowing other people, sharing space with other people, that is the most human imperative that there is, and so I think that it's more than okay to have that override the the routine if if it means that that's what that looks like yeah,
0: for that day, absolutely. for that week, for that season, yeah. Exactly. That's that's where the the balance part comes in. I mean, we're I think we're all trying yeah. to be balanced black girls trying. Amen. Um, <laughs> myself included. And that's where that that mm-hmm. comes in. Mhm. Yeah, heavy on that. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing that you mentioned and I would love to talk a bit more about is the role of self-pleasure and Yeah something like masturbation when it comes to establishing a sense of intimacy with ourselves um, Mm -hmm. because I think that that's also another area that can hold a lot of shame for people. So can we talk a little bit more about just the importance of having a self-pleasure practice?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I am a big, 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 huge fan of masturbation. And I know that it is not for everyone, but I also think that for a lot of people, um, a relationship with masturbation might come from a place of shame or come from a place of, you know, s- certain people might have not experienced an orgasm or don't experience orgasms with a partner. And that is also okay. I don't think that masturbation needs to be very goal-oriented. I think that it gets to be play-oriented and curiosity-oriented. And I think that understanding that our bodies have just like limitless possibilities, and this is one of them, is really fun and it can be fun. And so, you know, I have a ton of different vibrators and and toys and dildos and stuff like that simply because of my job. And Mm -hmm. I, it's one of my favorite parts of the job is like trying out different things. And I think for me, sometimes I have to be like, it's okay if I don't masturbate as frequently because Mm -hmm. I'm always down. (laughs) But I think that (laughs) it's looking at what do you think of when you hear the word masturbation? Because for some people it's like, I don't know about that or that isn't something that I should do in a relationship that's only for private time when I don't think that, you know, masturbation needs to be taken out of your life um, just because you're in a relationship. It's a different type of relationship with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's another way to be curious and exploratory. You know, I think a lot of folks might typically masturbate like in bed right before they go to sleep, which is kind of like my pattern. But -hmm. like other times of being like, oh, like it's like a Sunday and I don't really have much going on. What if I were to like do this on the couch at 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. or in the shower standing up or while I'm taking a bath, like different things like that. And it doesn't also have to be like centered on any particular part of your body. I think that like your own pleasure practice could be like, what type of touch do I like? You know, do I like when – do I like to be like lightly tickled on my back or do I like a firm massage or do I kind of like a squeezing kind of situation or stimulation or do I kind of like to have my hair pulled or played with and these are things that you can also explore by yourself you know I think Mm -hmm. when I work with clients I'll sometimes be like and I don't know if people can see me but just like does this feel good to just kind of like run your nails down your forearm Mm -hmm. or does it feel good to kind of like squeeze it and I felt like mm-hmm. such a different experience right now. When I w- did yeah. my nails, I was like, whoo, like got a little chill up my spine. So yeah. your own intimacy practice can look like masturbation. It might not include it. But I think that it also helps us get in touch with what feels good to us so that we can, A, just feel good, full stop, but also yeah. so that we can communicate what makes us feel good to partners. And I think especially for a lot of women, it's just like we're like, well, you know, I, for straight women, especially, I'll have a good time if he's good. And we'll finish when he's finished. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important to be like, I get to ask for more or something different. I get to ask for different types of touch. I get to ask for different tempo. And I know this and I can know this like kind of like a from a cerebral level. But if I'm masturbating, I know, I know where the touch can come from. I know what will feel good to me. I know that And it might not be predictable, but I know how to communicate it with other people because I've communicated it to myself. And Mm -hmm. I think that you can also, when you're developing even like a routine around masturbation, maybe you really like to watch porn when you masturbate. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you want to try listening to something. Maybe you want to try like reading erotica. Um, Maybe you just want to fantasize about something. All of these are like great options to get in touch with like what arousal means for you. And what stimulation and pleasure look like for you in ways that it gets to be for you. You get to feel good. And I think that Mm -hmm. that is – we're just not taught that that's okay. And it really is. And I really, really encourage it. Yeah. You just said so much –
0: just yeah, I was, amazing like, I was rambling. there. No, you were not. <laughs> that was great. So much great information there. And the biggest takeaway, kind of like we were saying at the beginning, is just giving ourselves permission to do something purely because it feels good.
1: Yeah. And even saying that, and I'm training myself to be mm-hmm. like, it feels good because you can, blah, 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 blah. I feel good. It feels good because then you can. And it, I'm training myself to be like, because it feels good. Yeah. Period. That exists. Yeah. Period by itself. Yeah, definitely.
0: Something that's really helped me is like just body literacy, like literacy Mm -hmm. of my own body. I think it's kind of amazing that for those of us Mm. who have a clitoris, we literally have an organ purely designed for pleasure. That is the pure purpose. Like, that's actually really dope
1: when you think of it that way. yeah it's so <laughs> incredible, and it's like we have this part of our body just dedicated to us feeling good, yeah, and it has like more nerve endings than any other part of the body. It's incredible, it's so powerful, and yeah. I think that when you think of like what toxic patriarchy does is like make us you know speak speaking of spending time away from ourselves, it's like being taught from such a young age not to touch yourself, mm-hmm. to close your legs, to make yourself like smaller or less attractive or less of a distraction. Whereas for, for people with penises, it's like, oh yeah, erections are fine. And like, you know, you like whip it out at different times and it's very normalized. And mm-hmm. I think for, for people with like vulvas and for, cl- and people who um, have clitorises, it's like, Oh my gosh. So what is this? Nobody right. told me about it. Nobody talks about it. I've been told to literally cross my legs so that I can't access it or no one can access it. Yeah. So I think that what you said about body literacy and being like, this is this is anatomy. Like I get to enjoy this and what a gift it is that I have this to share with myself. Right. Exactly.
0: I, I really appreciate what you mentioned just about the different ways that we're socialized and where some of that shame and kind of hiding can come from. For our our friends, our balanced besties who are maybe parents or maybe raising kids, what yeah. are some ways or better language they can use so that they don't pass along that shame and it's a bit more positive?
1: Absolutely. that's. I really am loving this conversation too around like <laughs> what it means to have – like sex and pleasure positivity, Mm -hmm. even for, for kids. And I think that it's like, when I think about masturbation, like I was masturbating as a kid. Did I know what that, that's what I was doing? No, but I knew that if I moved my body in a certain way, I'd feel really, really good. And so, Mm -hmm. but I then immediately felt immense amounts of shame and confusion. Yeah. And I've talked about this before, but that I used to think that you could get pregnant from masturbating because I was just oh, like, this yeah. is. And, and can you imagine, like, can you imagine, like, a nine year old or whatever being like, oh my God, like, what did I do? Something so terrible. Oh. Not knowing anything about literally yeah. how yeah. anything works. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I'm a really big fan of. Of parents teaching their kids to just like talk about anatomy in the same way that you would talk about an elbow or a nose and really kind of like making it so that it's not like this is like a very special. We don't do anything with that. It's just like we happen to pee there and that's it. And like, don't really go near it. It's just like, okay, like, cause kids are going to explore their bodies. They're going to explore yeah. their bodies because. They are literally learning how the world works and how their bodies function in it. So kids are going to touch themselves. And I think that a lot of times that could be scary. And this is not to say that like if your child starts to exhibit abnormal behavior that you shouldn't pay attention to it because you definitely want to be tuned into that. But I think a normal exploration of a body for a kid is it just makes sense. They're learning everything and they're little sponges. And so I think Mm -hmm. using the language of like using the anatomical Yes, (laughs) language (laughs) of what the body parts are called. And, you know, I think uh, this borders into like conversations around consent of like when you touch yourself versus when somebody else touches you, what, like how to describe things like that. And just like when I think when sometimes people hear or have experiences like, when did you have the sex talk? When did you have the talk? And it's like, these are just conversations that you can have all ages and all over time because that's going to change because your child is going to hit different developmental stages. And there's a great Instagram account called Sex Positive Families that does a really good job of examples of how to talk to your kids about sex and and genitalia and gender identity and sexuality, all things that are in your kid's consciousness from much younger than you might imagine. Yeah. They're not just like, little infants with no brains until Mm -hmm. they're 25. And they are thinking (laughs) about these things every step
0: of their like developmental life. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great resource. We'll make sure we link to that page yeah. in the the show notes. And I also mm-hmm. really appreciated what you said about the talk because I don't think it is one talk. I think yeah. it's a series of conversations that we have throughout mm-hmm. our, our lives. And of course, we want things to be age appropriate. Yeah, of course. But just that sense of, I love what you said about just speaking pure anatomy and mm-hmm. speaking about body parts like any other body part, not mm-hmm. necessarily using like a, it's a flower or other right. things. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. that's so confusing.
1: It is. It's really confusing and I really think that we can trust kids to be intelligent and to teach us things In the same way that we teach them things. And if we try to pretend that they are incapable of learning, then I think that we're doing kind of like everyone a disservice because Mm. we want them to be able to tell us if something has changed for them. Yeah. especially for people who get periods like mm-hmm. some people might get periods when they're as young as seven eight nine mm-hmm. I think that having like these conversations early on will let you know as a parent when to step in and provide resources and support when to like know when your child's kind of like routine needs to change and to acknowledge and to look back at, you know, I know I'm not a parent myself. So um, I can imagine like this is might be different coming from from someone like me. But I think imagine all of us as human beings with past experiences. So think about your 13 year old self, think about your 10 year old self and what you would have liked to know, and how you would have liked to feel about your body, how you would have liked to relate to your body how you would have liked other people to relate to your body. So I think thinking about that and be like, and now you get to do it. You have the opportunity to share really like wonderful, important information with the children in your life. Absolutely. Even thinking about that,
0: because I'm not a parent yet either, but when I think about maybe future children that I'm going to be responsible for kind of navigating these conversations with, I just want to minimize shame as much yeah. as possible, because I don't think that mm-hmm. that was necessarily the messaging that I had, and it would change depending on how old I was but
1: yeah i
0: I remember one of the biggest things that I was like most afraid of would be my grandmother referring to me as fast, like hearing mm-hmm. hearing a grandmother refer to mm-hmm. a girl as fast sounded like
1: terrible. The biggest insult,
0: like we were talking earlier about being called selfish or being called called a bitch. My biggest fear was being called fast. And so it was like, Mm -hmm, shut mm -hmm. myself down and make myself invisible because I don't want to be perceived that way because that sounds like the worst thing you could possibly be, even though I didn't even fully know what that meant. Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. you don't hit a certain, you don't turn 25 and have that You know, light switch shut off. We still hold on to that. And I'm still now, even in my 30s, like unlearning that
1: yeah absolutely absolutely, and I think that like that is such like a I feel like that's just like also such like a black grandma because it is, it is <laughs> right like being called it fast like I mean I'm like same yeah. or black auntie yeah. like i yeah. and that was like <laughs> i I don't want to be fast like that like them other girls, those girls mm-hmm. who do that and and often yep. the girls who were doing that would literally be like what they were wearing or right. who they would be hanging out with it was maybe no they developed indication. a little
0: bit earlier, like it usually exactly. wasn't anything they were just existing. You
1: they know. were literally just existing and then yeah. but you you learn like you learn through language so you're going to mm-hmm. learn okay like that type of body part that type of outfit that type of um figure mm-hmm. is linked with these things and it's not harmful just to to like women and girls it's harmful to everyone because yeah. then it feels like oh yeah if someone has like developed breasts at a younger age then they are more open or welcoming sexual advances when it literally has, they have nothing to do with one another. But I think then you start to relate to yourself differently. And so I think that it is like, what does even like when people say promiscuous and all of this language that just literally does not exist for boys. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't. Right and and we're taught from an early age like not to be a distraction for right. for someone else simply by virtue of existing and so then that fear is like I think translate into older ages when it's like the body count question and things like oh. that and it's just like yeah. ugh, it literally makes my skin crawl to even think about but it's just like the way that we re- like learn how to deal with pleasure or say no to pleasure or be like pristine and pious and virginal and those being these qualities that we are told to emulate. And I'm just like, throw all that shit away. Hate it. Yeah.
0: Because it literally mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. I, nope. I remember reaching a point not that long ago where I had this – I just had this realization where I'm like, all of those things contradict each other. All of the yep. different expectations that are placed upon us are so contradictory.
1: Yeah. They make no sense. No. It makes no sense to want someone with like a quote, low body counter has slept with low amount of people, but then to be a very – uh like have sexual expertise. Right. How do they exactly. both exist? And right. so all of these things that are like socially constructed into making us feel – also with that, it's like then you feel shame either way. Right. You, you can't like, win. You, you can't win. Yeah. And so I reject all of that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I agree. Also, mm-hmm. I also
0: reject all of that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and And I'm grateful to be able to, you know, have a space like this, to be able to have these types of conversations because I do still think, mm-hmm. you know, we get – a lot of mixed messaging. And I think I talked about it in my solo episode at the beginning of this series, my biggest frustrations with a lot of the conversations that we have around connection, relationships, intimacy, specifically online, is just all about shaming people when we're all just learning. These are all skills that we are all just learning. And if people don't have certain outcomes or fit into certain boxes or aren't, high value, whatever that – I still don't fully know what that means and don't really care. Neither do I. Mm -hmm. Then we shame them. And, you know, it just is this experience where people don't feel safe or comfortable learning, but we're all just trying to learn. And yes, it's it's something that I I want people to feel safer and more comfortable being able to learn and explore
1: and Mm -hmm. stumble their way through because that's what we're all doing. Absolutely. I think that that's such a great reflection to share, too, of just, like, how prohibitive then it is to to learn and to make mistakes and to have curiosity. Because it's just, like, we are just, like, su- expected to one day wake up and, like, through osmosis, like, learned <laughs> everything about sex and what it is to be right. sexy and good at, quote, good at sex. And it's, like, literally, how would I know any of this? I don't know what that right. word means. I don't know what that position is. I don't know what you're talking about. and. Right. It's so. And subjective. how would I supposed to? How was I supposed to know any of this? Exactly. So right. I, it's it's wild. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure we could go on for days talking about what <laughs> the online representation is of all of these constructs and how different communities participate in it and all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I maybe just that, maybe so that's our part two. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to definitely do
0: a part two. I I like to err on the side of. Giving people information that is going to help them make the best, most informed decisions they can make for themselves, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. leaving it at that. Mm-hmm. You and me both, because it's wild out here in these online. It streets. really is. It, is. it really
1: is. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just having the just having information is like a really important first step. Like yeah. it's the step. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: So. Camille, this has been so good. I feel like we have covered so much incredible information. You're just such a wealth of knowledge, and I so appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing with us so far. If you're comfortable, you know, I would love to maybe hear about some of your self care practices that really help you still feel connected and and having a, a sense of intimacy mm-hmm. with yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about that earlier this week and last week of just like what my self-care practices look like. And Mm -hmm. I have been spending more time just moving my body. And I think that, you know, growing up, I was really kind of taught that activity was just very like forceful and it was really yeah. like intense. And and I used to be like, I only like working out if I'm like drenched in sweat and sore for three days. And and that was really part of it. And so then if I wasn't doing that, then I, pu- I wasn't doing much at all. Mm. And ac- actually the urging of my friends and my community, they're like, girl, you work a lot. Like you really need to make time for yourself and go on a walk. And I'm like, I don't fucking want to do that. Like, what is that going to do? And it does so much. It's literally life changing. And so I think that part of it is me recognizing, oh my gosh, I just need to like move my body. And sometimes it's literally like dancing around my apartment. Sometimes it's going for a walk. Sometimes it's like randomly. I have been starting to do like more like random handstands and random fun things with my body. So I think that it's really fun to be playful. And I'm like Mm. doing that a lot more, a lot more. And I recognize what it does to my emotional health. And I recognize what it's like to experience some solitude as well. You know, my job is talking to people all day long yeah. and i would sometimes go from that to having a ton of social plans and i'm one of those people who really does get energized from those connections and you know last weekend i i didn't have plans for most of my saturday and i started to notice myself like panic and be like mm. oh my god who's available who wants to do something anybody 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 and then i was like it's okay and i like yeah. went to the gym and then i sat in the sauna and then i Sat on my laptop and I drank a Bloody Mary and I like <laughs> had this day just like by myself and I was just like, ah, oh, it feels yeah. so good. Yeah. So I'm just integrating a whole lot more movement into my, into my life that doesn't feel pressured to achieve something or change yep. something, but just to help me literally feel better. Uh. That's so good. That is, Mm -hmm. I think movement practices are one
0: of the best things we can do for ourselves. And Mm -hmm. what you said about play resonated so much. I've had really similar intentions this year because I realized that how important play is. And just because we're adults, we still need play for our own development and ability to just be creative and be joyful. And Mm -hmm. like we it may look different than how it looks for kids, but we need our own yeah. versions of play.
1: It's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love to play. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. like defining it for yourself and redefining it for yourself. But think about, I think I would like encourage people to think about the ways of play already exists in your life and like how mm-hmm. to amplify it and name it as such. Mm-hmm. And then also to think about, Other ways that you can be playful. You can be playful with cooking. You can, you know, make something that you've never made before. You can be playful with listening to music and like making up dances like we did to like Destiny's Child back in the day. Like you can (laughs) be playful all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. When you were describing play, the first thing I thought was cooking, like Mm -hmm. creating in the kitchen and making. And that's something that can take what could feel like a chore and actually make it a little bit more enjoyable. It's just an experiment. You're just trying things out. Yeah. You're just playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that so much. So before we wrap up, I would also love to talk about your podcast a bit because you ah, are yes. the co-host of the Safe mm-hmm. Word Podcast. Mm-hmm. Can you please tell us more about mm-hmm. it and where we can find it?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, So I am the co-host of Safe Word um, with my co-host Casey Tanner. We are both sex therapists. We both run a private practice called the Expansive Group where there are coaches, therapists, and educators that talk about sex, sexuality, gender, and relationships, which is what we talk about on Safe Word. It's really wonderful because we kind of like Get a little bit more messy than we would with our work with clients, and mm-hmm. and of talk about these concepts that we work through a lot as therapists, and we work through a lot in our personal lives. So it's a way that we get to kind of, I think, uh, for me, it feels like a way to really feel humanized in my profession of like yeah. talking with another therapist about like the fact that I don't have my shit together all the time or even close about how I'm still figuring certain things out. And, you know, it's a really wonderful place to like explore concepts like sex and intimacy. And, you know, we just did an episode um, about like, should I stay or should I go for relationships? Mm -hmm. We do episodes on like BDSM and kink and things like that. And we did one on group sex. So these are kind of like the things that we talk about. It's Constantly evolving and changing, and we're really excited about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's such important work. And I also think listening to a podcast like yours, where people can explore these topics in a way that is very safe, you know, if you're listening yeah. to a podcast, if you're maybe curious about BDSM and kink and you like, are maybe a little bit nervous about what seeking out that information looks like. A podcast yeah. is a perfect way to start totally. learning and exploring that. That's totally no judgment. You are just sitting listening with your headphones on to information that's of interest to you and nobody can judge
1: you or anything like that.
0: So it's so important. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And thanks for yeah. asking about it. And it's, it's really fun. It's a fun yeah. fun time. So come check us out. Amazing.
0: Yes. We'll make sure that the podcast is linked in the show notes so that everybody can tune in.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I loved this conversation. I think it was just the perfect finale to our conversations about intimacy. It gave me so many ideas about ways I can also just work on my intimacy with myself. So I appreciate you being here.
1: Mm-hmm. I loved this conversation. I was like, let's go. Okay. Like, Let's get more into this. Let's get more into that. Let's do more of this. So yes. I, mean, I feel like this time flew by. So thank you so it much did. for having me and like all of your really wonderful questions. Oh Well, thank you so much for sharing.
0: I know we'll have to do a, a part two and, and get into more of these because I have more that I'm like, okay, yeah we, we got to continue. <laughs> Girl, let's do it. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. while we were recording this interview, the time flew by. There was so much more that Camille and I could have gotten into so much more that I wanted to ask. So if you'd be interested in a part two, continuing this conversation, let us know. Huge thanks to Camille for joining us today and make sure you check out her podcast, Safe Word. In the show notes, we linked all of her information so that you can follow her work as well as resources related to today's episode and discount codes from our sponsors. So make sure you check it out. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss a future episode. Next week, it's a new month. We're kicking off a month-long book club series on the podcast, talking to some amazing Black women authors who are releasing new books all month long. Get ready to have your reading list be on point. So I will see you back here next Tuesday.